We are going tonight to spend a little time studying together in the book of Proverbs. And that God will speak to each of us. And I don't know how many of you here are these kind of people, but I've shared with several people that have shared that they every single day read a proverb. Many young men have embraced the book of Proverbs, and the book of Proverbs becomes a great guide and a deterrent from evil, but a guide unto good. Proverbs is written differently through the Holy Spirit than many of the books of the Bible. Many books of the Bible, as you read them, you can follow the contextual flow throughout the entire book. Often in the book of Proverbs, you'll find a passage or two that directly speak of a condition or situation, but you will not be able to study the context the same. Other times you will see a context. You will see a sense of a context that flows from the book of Proverbs. In many ways, the book of Proverbs is very practical. You can grab it. You can touch it. You can get a handle. It also is a wonderful book when you are in the process of any major decision in your life. If you take the book of Proverbs through prayer and intercession, that book will come alive and bring spiritual discernment to you in many, many, many of the decisions that you face and each of us face in our Christian life. Most of you probably are aware of King Solomon and how he followed King David. And here is a young man that was before the Lord in which the Lord asked came to Solomon in a dream in 1 Kings chapter 3. And he, made the, he asked him, he said, what, just ask for what you would want, and I will give it to you. And Solomon, as a younger leader, overwhelmed by what was before him, he cried out to God in this vision that God had given him. And he said, Lord, just give me an understanding heart that I can discern the people. Some translations say a discerning heart. And God was so blessed by the response of Proverbs, but not only did he give him great discernment, he also gave him great honor and riches. And Solomon became a legend that went throughout the entire Bible till Jesus came. And he said, I will tell you, there is a greater than Solomon that has came. Now, the book of Proverbs was used throughout the course of biblical history as a, as a guide, a source of direction. But as we look at it where we are tonight, and we let the book of Proverbs speak to us, we're looking back at the book of Proverbs on the other side of the cross. We are looking at what the book says as the Holy Spirit is poured out in our lives, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us and guides us in discernment and leadership. And there's a verse we have, I believe they could put it up on the screen, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that could precede some of our comments here this evening. Because as the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, and he was going to challenge them in many ways, he wanted to point to something that was so important to them. And this is so important that we realize too. He says, but by his doing, Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has made the difference. Who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Throughout the teachings of Jesus and the apostles as the Holy Spirit wrote and spoke through these men of God and through our Lord Jesus himself, we begin to see this great power of the Holy Spirit in discernment. And it makes a tremendous difference even when you look at the book of Proverbs and you let Proverbs speak to us this evening as the Holy Spirit is within us 
and he guides us. And just like he says one place, he will guide you into all truth. Now, when you look at the book of Proverbs, there are many, many areas that are addressed, but there are several great themes of the book of Proverbs. There are primary areas that are addressed, areas that you can just stand on and find again and again and again, just in one book. One of the areas is just the area of discernment, making choices in our life, choices that honor the Lord, choices that bless others, choices that bless us. We will find this in the book of Proverbs. Another, we, we saw it up here in the screen, another great theme of the book of Proverbs is the teaching we'll look at later on wisdom. The wisdom of the Lord, the wisdom that only God can give. We are made unto him wisdom and righteousness and sanctification redemption. Depending on the translation, you'll find over 400 references in the Bible to either being wise or wisdom. But when you take all those references, over 100 are in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs challenges the reader to godly wisdom again and again and again and godly discernment. Another area you will see again and again and again in the book of Proverbs is the teaching that comes in biblical stewardship. Handling the recesses of the assets of God to the glory of God. The book of Proverbs will teach that it is not ours. It is God's. God gives it to us for a moment. He wants it back. We are entrusted with something that is not ours. We are stewards of something that we do not even deserve when we look on the other side of the cross and we see grace and we also see the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Another area you'll see, and for young men, I have referenced this many times in the course of our life, and it's a great one for you young men, and it is, but older men and older women too, the book of Proverbs writes and challenges us often in the area of morality, making godly choices in the area of morality. Explicit direction is given. If you are a young man or a man and you're struggling and you take the book of Proverbs and you read this book, this book will challenge you again and again, especially in the early chapters, to, to what it means to make godly choices, but also what it means to not make godly choices. It will give us lessons that God wants us to get and each one of us can be challenged there. Another, another truth that again and again and again is emphasized in the book of Proverbs is the importance of integrity, being truthful, walking in righteousness, letting the word that we are speaking be that which is truth. Just like Jesus enforced, taught again in the Sermon on the Mount, letting your nay be nay, your nay be nay, yay be yay, your nay, nay be nay. Another one in the book of Proverbs is just a reference often to actions, the actions of our life, the reaction of our life, the action, the reaction, the motive. Proverbs will lay this out again and again as we look into the book, and we cannot go very far tonight. I'm giving just a little simple overview that maybe will challenge us to go back home and look a little deeper in this mighty book that was penned and given to us as a wonderful gift of, of our Lord and Savior. Another area right along with actions is attitude. Proverbs speaks often of attitude, going beyond the action, going beyond the external to what we are thinking, what is within our mind, what God sees, we may be able to hide, but it, it is the attitude that we possess. A, an attitude of love, of humility, of kindness. It comes in the book of Proverbs. Another area that is beautiful in the book of Proverbs, when you begin to look at the greater 
truth, and it comes through each of these areas that we have been referencing, and these are just a few, is the book of Proverbs describes if we look and look and look the character of God. This book shows us the magnificence of the God who has redeemed us. God finitely, infinitely is concerned about every one of his creation. There is no one that is rooting for us like God. There is no one that is wanting to see us cross the finish line a winner any more than God himself. And this book again and again shows the beautiful character of God who he is, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, his power, his might, his majesty. And it comes out in the book of Proverbs. Another area, and as we go into the third chapter, we're about ready to go in there, is that we will see the heart of God longing to bless. God longs to bless. So often, in the course of human history, man has stiff-armed God, and we've held him at a distance. And even the Lord himself, as he stood over and looked over Jerusalem, right before he would give his life, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those that come, how many times I wanted to gather you back to me like a hen would gather a chicken under her wing and you would not let me. He wrote even through some of these rough prophets like Jeremiah, I know the thoughts I think toward you. They're thoughts of good, not of evil. To give you an expected end. I guess one of the things that uh, probably all of us have dealt with in our Christian lives is reaching a point of seeing that God really, really loves us. We began often in God's in a big chair, just waiting to come down and judge us one more time. He has his list, we failed again. The longer we grow in the Christian life, we see a God that's running toward us, a God that won't let go, a God that doesn't give up when we give up on someone else. And you find this in the book of Proverbs you'll find this God who just passionately pursues the very people he fell in love with when he created them. It's an amazing story throughout the Bible, and you know this, but what I'd like to do as we look into the text this evening is I think we'll begin to see several of these patterns that are presented in Proverbs 3. They will not go way out. We give this to you to think about and to take home and to pray about and read some more. But what you'll find often is God and his desire to bless. He takes many steps for us, toward us, but he wants to see a willing heart. He wants to see open hands. He wants to see a ready, willing mind. God will move and move and move, but he wants to see a will that responds to him. That's why as the book of Revelation was written by John through the Holy Spirit. He said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone will hear my voice and then open the door, I will come in. But the Holy Spirit is a very gentle but yet tremendously powerful influence. He will not grab men and shake them. He, oh, he will create much chastisement. He will cause things to happen that we never expected. We are probably all here tonight because somewhere we have ran into certain circumstances that has brought us to a place that we've cried out to the Lord Jesus again. But oh, how God longs to see a response on the part of his people. It is such a heart desire of the creator God, the savior Lord, the spirit of God, the intercessor Jesus, ever living to make intercession for us. This is the God we worship. This is the God that brings us together here. As I look out in this crowd, we're smaller tonight. It's always overwhelming to me to think how many times 
God has pursued, or pursued us. How many times he has followed us so de- he loved us so much with that everlasting love and that loving kindness he drew us to him. But he does desire a response on our part. This is his heart. We restrict the blessing of God by feeling to respond. And we will see this tonight as we look into the Proverbs chapter 3. If you look at, he says, he, he begins to write here and he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Notice, he's saying, you've got a mind, don't forget, but you've got a heart that I'm asking you to keep my commandments in. The Christian life has never been about words. Following Jesus has never been about philosophies and concepts. It's about men and women of God who walk with God in their heart. It says here, let, my, let your heart keep my commandments. And then God says, there will be this blessing with that response. Notice the blessing with the response. Verse 2, for length of days and years of life and peace shall they add to you. Here comes the blessing. The response that God desires is that we will not forget his teaching and our heart will keep his commandment. But the blessing comes. And remember this about God and his character is God will never be outgiven. Never. No matter where we go on the mission field, no matter where God calls us to suffer, no matter what we go through in adversity, God will be no man's debtor. No man's. He is a a God that ever liveth to give. It is his heart from the very beginning. Verse 3, notice the response he asks of us, though, as we're reading this. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Have you noticed how easy it is for kindness to flee? I think of the little boy one time that was praying a prayer at his family's table, and he said, Dear God, please help the bad people to be good, but help the good people to be kind. But also he says, let not kindness and truth, truth, leave you. In some ways you can see them as almost opposite sides of a pole pulling. I will be kind and maybe I will sacrifice truth. But he says, don't let kindness leave, nor let truth leave. Stand for truth no matter the cost, is what he's saying. No matter the price you pay, And throughout the course of Christian history, we have millions of martyrs who have given their life because they would choose not to let truth forsake them. Someone asked, we brought a couple, some of you saw them, a family sat up here here over the weekend that are very good friends of ours who lived in a very remote part of China. Here's a man that stood for truth in the midst of total unbelief. And we were just blessed to be able to work with him enough to watch God's bless and honor truth when he would stand there. I think of a world that is crying out like Pilate. What is truth? I don't know. I don't know. This is what people are asking. And God says, don't let kindness or truth forsake you. It is so easy to move into a realm called gray that the Holy Scriptures does not support. It is an area, what does the Word of God say? What does God say? What is He calling me to do? What will be the price of that? But many times, just as we see with Pilate, men have stood on the edge of truth and recognized the price they would pay. They have walked back They didn't want to pay the price. 
But here he says, then he says, bind them about your neck. Notice how closely he is saying to bring it to us. And then here it comes again, write it on the table of your heart. I want the, you know, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the instruction was, I'm going to give you these words, and you fathers are going to teach your children, and you're going to teach them. But he says, these words that I give you will be in your heart. When the word comes in our heart, it passes from heart to heart, heart to heart, heart to heart. The truth is seen, lived. Truth needs to be lived in order for it to be understood. Truth needs to be explained, but it also needs to be lived. And here Solomon's writing what he's hearing from the Lord, and he says, write it on the tablet of your heart. And in verse 4, here comes the blessing of God. God every time is going to bless those who stand for his word and truth. He is a great, great blesser. It will never come in exactly the way we think. It will never come in the way we may expect. It may just come through a cleansed conscience. It may just come with peace in our heart that I can go to bed at night because I made a decision that I know was right. Many martyrs have died peacefully at the stake. They have suffered for righteousness because they had a clear conscience that we just simply stood for truth. But notice how where he goes, he says, you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of man. God sees. God hears. God witnesses every loss that you choose to suffer for Jesus' sake. God witnesses every time you choose not to retaliate back, but rather suffer according to him who judges righteously. God sees. Maybe no one else sees. But the Word of God says something else there. Notice this, in the sight of God and man. You ever wonder how many people have got their eyes glued on this group right here tonight, out here in the streets where you're living? Just watching. Just saying, you know, they're Christians. I got a couple moles out today, and the aide at the, at the doctor's office said, I came into that church one time, and I have four children. I don't know where to go because every other church isn't friendly, but I live too far away, but I want to come back because I felt that love as I walked in this church. And I said, you're welcome anytime, Karen. And she says, now my children want to come back. But now it says, you will find good favor in the sight of God and man. Proverbs says it like this, that when a man's ways will please the Lord, he will even cause his enemies to be at peace with him. Many of you here could stand up here tonight and give testimonies of that. We, we would run out of time in this church just for people to give a testimony of times that they stood for truth and men sought and they honored God. In verse 5, he, he touches into one of the great themes of the Bible, one of the great teachings of the Word of God, when he says, trust. In the Lord with all your heart. Notice where he's drawing out the reader to. Not a half-hearted gesture. Not a, oh well, I guess. I guess if every other, every other lever and button I'm trying to push and pull falls apart, I'll trust God. Here he says, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Notice how inclusive he writes in the next several verses. And lean not unto your own understanding. The temptation that resists trust to God is I've already got it figured out. Or here's another one for us older folks. I've been down the road a few years. I've seen it, been, got a few miles on me. I've seen that before. You've never crossed this way before, praise God. I haven't either. The place God's got you today, in this day today of February 22nd, 2017, you've never been here before. And God's got things right now in front of us that we cannot solve. But here he says, lean not your own 
understanding. But notice in verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him. Every way, the choice. It's a choice every day. Someone walks up to one of you younger guys here and says, you're doing a great job. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Someone comes to one of you mothers and says, I really love how you're raising your children. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And then it says, here comes the promise, he will make your paths straight. God will, one translation says, he will direct your paths. He will straighten your paths. But the choice to acknowledge him is there. Oh, well, you know, we, all, we have tough days, good days, bad days, but we kind of make it through. So, you know, we're getting ready to go back to the Philippines and just to Deb and I in just a few weeks. And the first time we went to the Philippines several years ago, I'll never forget what hit me first in that area. And that was, as we came into that area and we get to talk, those people just kept saying, by the grace of God, this is your family, by the grace of God, this is your church, by the grace of God. And there was that acknowledgement of him in every way. Now, Paul, later, we're, we're doing a study out here with all the, a bunch of guys now, but it says there'll come a time when men will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power thereof. They fail to acknowledge the one that gave them the power to live godly. Now, we have the privilege to choose to be different. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Here comes that little temptation toward pride. Do not become wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Here is another great theme of Proverbs. Fear God. You'll find this in Ecclesiastes, fear God. You'll find this throughout the Bible. The Word of God does say this, there is no fear in love in John. Perfect love will cast out fear. A perfect, perfect love in Jesus will cast out. But Proverbs will say, the fear of man will bring a snare. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord will be made safe. And here he says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now here comes the blessing again. I want you to just notice the blessing. God challenges us through the word, then he blesses. He said, if you respond, I will do this. And here he says, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. You fear the Lord, you choose to turn to righteousness instead of darkness. You turn to have a fear of the Lord in your heart, and here's what happens. This is, this is what God is saying. It will be healing for your body. And it will be refreshment for your bones. The fear of the Lord is a wonderful, wonderful manner, way that God has designed to heal us and to cleanse us and to sustain us. Great fear has those who love thy, the law of God. Psalm 119 says nothing that we would ever do would ever offend them if you love the Lord your God and fear him. Now you just notice, notice with me what he's doing. He challenges us. We can't do it except we go back to Corinthians. Of you, we can only do it through Christ. But here he says this, when you respond and God works, you will see tremendous things happen. Verse 9, Honor the Lord with, from your wealth and from the first of your produce. The people reading this, many of them had probably very little in money. Often it was the produce. It was the, the manner of agriculture they were involved in. It could have been corn or grain. It might have been cattle. We have, we have grown into this monopolistic society of money, money is driving our economy in major ways anymore. But here he says, honor the Lord with your wealth. What God has blessed you with, honor God, is what he's saying. And from the first of all your produce. 
the first fruits. You'll find this teaching throughout the Bible, giving God first instead of the leftovers. Saying, God, I will give you first. First, always first. And then I will go from there. One time we were in China, and, you know, those people have, don't have anything, but they've got everything because they know they're rich, and those people will just pour out their blessings in ways that will just blow your mind, frankly. One time I was getting ready to leave one of those house churches, been there several days. My pockets were full of this yuan. That's their nomination bill. And I gave it to my translator, and I said, take it to their... Over there, I saw a little, a little coffer. Go put the money over there. And I took, she took that money over there, and she had this jacket on. It was all the way down in Hainan, China, the furthest place you can get south in all of China, in an island. And I thought, wow, you did a great job, girl, concealing that and everything. And she comes back, and I'm praising God. We were able to give what we had left over, basically. Now, their tithe for all these churches. All these churches scattered in a town of one million at that time was $5,000. The leader of that church come walking up and her eyes were glowing. And she said, we just have called together our leaders of all these churches and we have had an offering and this is for you. And I looked at what those poor people that had nothing but had everything gave and it was like well over 10 times what we just dropped in that little box. And you didn't have to worship with them very long to where you'd see that God was just blessing them tremendously in mighty ways. And here he just speaks about, he's, here's what he says in verse 10 about the blessing. Making the choice to honor the Lord from her wealth and from the first of your produce your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. It's showing a new crop. It's showing another kind of wine. God allows for creativity. God begins to show ways, and many of you here could testify tonight. You have seen God work this way. You have witnessed the way that God has quietly blessed and it's overwhelmed you. It has brought you back to a place of humility. Because he taught you again that you could not outgive God at that place. But here he says, the barns will be filled with plenty. They're filled up. And on top of that, the vats are going to come out. And here's going to be new wine. God is amazingly resourceful. You know this. You have seen him provide. Just like the woman with the barrel of meal. And she dips down. And all she had was one more little scoop every day, but God provided for her and her children and for the mighty prophet. You have witnessed that. You have experienced that. And here the word of God says your presses will flow out. It will come up with new wine. God will bless newly even. You know, I think of the verse that says his mercies are new every morning. You ever notice that? Get up tomorrow morning. You're walking the Spirit of God and you're playing the Word of God and God's going to knock you off your feet with His blessings in a different direction than you ever saw it before. You can't see it coming. He'll come in a different direction. You'll turn your head and you'll scratch your head and you'll say, Lord, what's this? But this is how God works. And He says, here's, when you do this, here's what's going to happen. Now verse 11 is... Another area of exhortation the Word of God speaks of through the book of Proverbs, we find it through the Bible, when he says, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. God loves a cheerful sufferer. You know, I think of the, uh, the Acts, the Apostles, Acts 5.41, they were beaten and scourged and told never to ever preach the gospel again. And the Word of God said those disciples left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. That's one thing I have noticed in working in some of these places, that the highest calling of these believers' lives is suffering for the name of Jesus. And here it says, don't despise or don't resist 
or reject the discipline of God. God knows how to touch us just right. He will never over-chastise us. He will never under-chastise us if we're lifting. He knows exactly how to touch us. And I think there's a verse that says in Proverbs later, whom the Lord loves, he chastises. He knows that, that what will come as a result of that pain will be so good for us and so good often for someone else that we don't even know about. This is God. This is the great God that we worship and, and who is writing this to us and being penned by this man Solomon. But he says, for whom the Lord loves, he reproves. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights, Notice this, when, you're feeling, when we're feeling the chastisement of God, the pain of God, it is because God loves us and he calls us his child. He loves us so much that he must allow us to go through what we're going through. Now you can't come to me or any, any of us and say, well, explain all the things because I don't know. I don't know. God's an amazing God. But here it says, don't reject that discipline because God is doing it out of great love and he delights in the sonship that he has in relationship with us. You know, he sees us moving before we ever see ourselves moving away from him. He sees the drift. God is so, his eye is on us so closely that he counts every, every hair on our head. Not one, ever, not one sparrow ever comes down and falls to the ground without him saying, I saw it, there it is. One more sparrow just went down. God is a, not only an infinite God, but he is an intricate God. He sees the littlest, tiniest detail that we miss. How many times has someone... As God chastised you, you didn't even realize for quite a while how much you needed that till later. He took you to a place you didn't want to go. You wouldn't have chosen it. And you thought you was doing pretty good. You was making it to church and going to Bible study and reading your Bible, and God touches you. You ever notice in chastisement too, it doesn't come from the direction that we thought it would come. It comes from another direction. God, we will never outthink God. Never. God is amazing. And we're going to look as we go on into the last part of this in the next, the last 15 minutes or so, and we're going to look at one of the great themes of this book. It is a theme that is so necessary and needed today in the Christian's life. It is a, it is a theme that we need in every home, every father, every grandfather, every child, and he's going to speak about wisdom and you'll find this again and again in Proverbs. He's writing about wisdom. This evening, I think it was today, I was writing with someone and I asked them, what is wisdom? How do you define wisdom? And wisdom is a very interesting, interesting part of the character of God that he wants to see within us. One person says, well, it's, it's experience that we glean over time that we apply to God. Wisdom, what is it? Another person said it's, uh, it's that which we glean in times of difficulty, chastisement, suffering, hurt, that we would never get any other way but right then. What is wisdom? Wisdom is not a compilation of a lot of just information. It is something that becomes applied into the life. It goes into the heart as wisdom comes. And as we look here, we're going to see that God puts a very high premium on wisdom. If you could pray for us, we say this as your servant leaders in this church, never quit praying for wisdom. Never. We need so desperately the wisdom of God so desperately. But here's what he says. 
How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Here's the blessing. Now he speaks of the blessing first. The man who finds wisdom and he gets understanding, he's a blessed person. And then he begins to speak of what this wisdom is. We could say, someone else said, well, wisdom is discernment. The ability to spiritually discern truth from error, righteousness from unrighteousness, a biblical doctrine, and is it truly true or is it twisted or turned in some way or another? But here as he begins to write, he begins to speak of wisdom. And if we keep reading through this book, we'll begin to see God's picture of wisdom. We say that because we question whether we could ever package wisdom in a pile of words. You think about that. Let God speak to you. James chapter 1 verse 5 gives a promise that I am so thankful that I worship with a group of men and women who believe this deeply. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, if anyone, let them ask of God who gives to all men liberally and doesn't turn away and it will be given to him. This is the promise of God. Many of you have claimed that promise in a special time of your life and you have seen the great revelation of the gift of God and how it's came to you. But here he's speaking of this wisdom and he speaks, then he begins to speak of how beautiful the wisdom is. Verse 14, her profit is better than the profit of silver. Her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious, 15, than jewels. Nothing you desire compares with her. Notice what a premium God puts on wisdom. Long life are in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor, and all of her paths are peace. Wisdom's path is peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, and happy are all of those who hold her fast. Once again, God speaking through Solomon. She is just like this rich, great blessing. Oh, I, I think of you, some of you younger people, and I know within this sanctuary tonight, in one way or another, through prayer and request, hundreds and thousands of prayers have been offered up saying, God, give us wisdom. We're just children. We don't know what to do without the Spirit of God moving us. We cannot do anything. He's, he promises that. Without me, you can do nothing. But here he is showing what a premium he puts on wisdom. The Lord, verse 19, by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. Here comes the challenge. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Here's the promise. So they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. We're talking of that tonight here that money can never buy. Social contacts will never buy this. Even, even an education cannot buy this. Only the Spirit of God giving this to us as we seek it. Oh, I love the verse that says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I won't turn away because we have a God that is just loving. His treasure house is so full. It is, he is so rich. And what he wants to do is give us those riches. He wants to pour them into us. He wants to bless us in ways we cannot even imagine. This is the God we worship. He wants to take this church to places this church cannot even see. The question is, will we let him? Will we? Malachi says it like this. He says, just try me. Just try me, God said, as he was challenged the people to the tithe and the offering. In Malachi 3, you try me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven 
and pour out a blessing so great that there will never even be room to receive it. And on top of that, I'll, re I'll rebuke the mouth of the devourer. And this is what Proverbs does to us. It's like, will you cross that line of faith and obedience and a love for Jesus, a love for God? Will you do it? Will you let him lead you in ways that you may have never thought you would ever go? Will you let him work in your life in ways that you may have been resisting him up till now? How much value and treasure do you put on wisdom? How much does it mean? What else do you want more than wisdom? And let's look, look and we keep going here as we look at this. And he says, uh, they will, be, they will be life, the promise, verse 22, to your soul, adornment to your neck, and you will walk in your way securely. Your foot won't stumble. God's going to protect you. He's going to keep the evil one from coming at the door. We pursue wisdom. We seek wisdom. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. You're in the arms of Jesus. You've got the Lord holding you. Your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear. Fear has no place. Fear has been overcome and triumphed through Jesus. And here it's the, the fear of men. And it says, verse 26, here comes the promise. Nor the onslaught, verse 25, the wicked ones when it comes. But here comes the promise of God. Get it again. The promise of God. Lay hold on it tonight. Lock into it. Don't let go with it, no matter what someone says, because this is what the Word of God says. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Someone is in a really tough time tonight in temptation. I do not know where. But I believe that someone is in a great time of temptation and testing here. And the Word of God and claim it tonight, when we seek this wisdom, the Lord will keep your foot from being caught. He will do it. He will do it in mighty ways. He will show. And here, as we, look at, as we look at this, we see the beauty of wisdom. We see the protection that comes with wisdom. And we also see the provision that comes with wisdom. Tremendous premium that Solomon was putting as the Holy Spirit was moving through him on wisdom. And as we look at this today in a marketplace that we're clamoring for more and more information, there is a place even for the Christian, for the one who is discerning, who even, I'm not opposed to reading the news, I'm not opposed, but stepping back and being still and knowing that the Lord is God. God is on the throne. God has it under control. God will move as he chooses, as we acknowledge him through wisdom. You continue to go on, and as we look down through this for wisdom assists greatly in decision-making. It assists greatly in discernment. It is such a treasure. It is such a wealth that it gives us a power that we can never possess of ourselves. You can never read enough books. You know, um, some of the men of God that have spoke the deepest uh, in our life. Uh, we have been in church plantings in kind of isolated places several times, and an old pastor would just call me up, and he'd travel across the country and land in our state, and I'd go pick him up at an airport, and he would plop down at our house for a week or 10 days. Sometimes he would just sit in a chair. I remember one old pastor sat there, and we were in central Washington, and he sat in that chair for four days at 20 below. It was too cold for the guy to get outside. But you know what I saw that man doing? He would just open this word, and that word would be on his lap, and I could take off and do an errand and come back and push snow and whatever, and I came back. And the word was in him and with him all the time. Now this is the word. This is where we find the wisdom that we're speaking about tonight. It is a tremendous treasure and tool. It is a tremendous blessing. He that walketh with wise men, Proverbs says, will be wise. But a companion of fools will be destroyed. It's a choice again. Wisdom discerns. I want to walk with wise men. I want to make a choice that honors Jesus, that magnifies his name. 
Wisdom acknowledges continually, Lord, without you I am nothing. Wisdom is always accompanied with humility. Wisdom is that great treasure that we possess through God's power that gives us the strength to live the Christian life when we leave here, leave here tonight and walk out in a world that is hurting so deeply and desperately for Jesus. That's the way you can impact this world one heart at a time, one person at a time. We see the result of wisdom in the last verse of this chapter, and we're coming, we're coming to the end. And the result begins here, but the re result goes on into eternity. When wisdom is in us, through us, guiding us, the Bible says the wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. And here it is, a choice to be wise brings honor. A choice to follow the wisdom of God brings honor. But a choice to go our own way or to resist God brings dishonor every time. And we are ending tonight as we come to the end, and this is just a little scratch of the surface of a mighty book. Let God speak to you. If you've never done it before, try it for a couple of months. Just take a chapter a day. You can read, each month you can read one chapter, 31 chapters, and it'll get you through the month. And then begin to see what God does, how he begins to speak to you. See what happens with verses that become relevant, just like a devotional. But now it's the Holy Spirit writing. See how he speaks and see where he's speaking to you. All these areas is just the beginning of how he speaks to us through the Word of God. And Proverbs is just one of many great books of the Bible. But I just give this to you because it is such a mighty book for decision-making, for guidance, for direction. And the Word simply says, the wise, those that are wise will inherit honor. And this is our heart, our hope, our joy, our crown, that someday we're going to see the wisest of all wise as we see the King of kings and Lord of lords. Even David said it like this in Psalms. He said, I don't know what it will be like in heaven, but I know this. I will be happy when I behold his face in his righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you are with us and you give us your word. You give us the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word of exhortation. You give us the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and to lead and guide and direct Oh, Father, I pray that uh, tonight, that as we leave, that you would go with everyone that is here, and may the Word of God continue to have free course and glorified in every heart and life. And thank you, God, for being our great God and Father. Thank you for all that you have done and are doing for us. And may your name be lifted up this week in every action, every word, and the principles that we have been looking at tonight, these great teachings. May they be lived and practiced in our lives. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week in Jesus.